Hey, it's Jim, and welcome to the Avoiding Chores podcast. We have a few things to talk about today. First thing, we'll give you the latest updates on the satellite communications in the outdoor recreation sector. Lots of news there. We'll be talking about the new Garmin models for the 2022 Black Friday and holiday season. We'll be reviewing the 2022 camping season and trends that we notice here locally in our area. And we'll be talking about how our preparedness plan worked out during Hurricane Fiona, being up here in Nova Scotia. And finally, we'll be talking about the latest avoiding chores topic that you've probably seen on the YouTube channel, which is my adventures using a side-by-side. And our first topic today is satellite communications. This was a topic that I've been hearing a lot of over the last few months. And this is where, for us consumers, we have the device that we're able to communicate via satellites. There are a number of products that have been on the market for a number of years now, Spot, InReach, Zolio. But now, with the new iPhone 14, you'll be able to do the same thing. Now, the feature is live right now for the US and Canada. Apparently, it's going to launch in the UK and I think Germany later on towards the end of the year, which makes this kind of interesting is how we're seeing more and more stories of uh, people using this technology, but at the same time, uh, still leaning on a smartphone for a lot of things. You're using your smartphone for your GPS, you're, you're recording your track, maps, and now you're going to potentially use your iPhone and most likely Android in the next year or so to do satellite communications. Uh, to me, I always thought that getting a dedicated GPS for that kind of stuff is good because your smartphone should be the most precious thing on you when you're going out. Uh, but still, you're, you still got to need a plan. You still got to tell people where you're going and what your route are and what your plan is. So anyway, the way that, <clears throat> the, way that the feature works on the iPhone uh, basically, it uses the Global Star Network, which is the same provider as the Spot, and they use Response SOS as the um, SOS processor. So, for the other satellite systems, let's say on the Iridium network, where you'll see InReach and Zolio, they use uh, what used to be called GEOS, now it's IERS, which is owned by Garmin, uh, actually. Uh, they will process these SOS messages and then contact the local uh, authorities in your jurisdiction to send help when you're doing it. Uh, basically, you'll need to uh, point the phone directly over clear skies, try to get a hold of satellites. Global Star has a little bit less coverage than the Iridium satellite network. Uh, we see the trend now with InReach and Zolio, and I think there's one called BiviStick that uses mostly the Iridium satellite network, has better coverage, faster response times. Uh, but if you have an iPhone 14, you can go under your settings and you can get into a demo mode. But this is going to be a trend that we're going to see. I don't know if we're going to see an additional setup fees, uh, just this, and that's because for other devices, InReach, Zolio, uh, you do have to pay a monthly service fee to maintain the service on these devices. But it'll be interesting to see uh, as the service rolls out uh, to see are people using it or if it's uh, very you know, useful. And, and what we're talking about when you're doing these satellite SOSs, you're talking about sending 160 character text. And uh, for some devices, 
uh, you'll be able to do two-way messaging. So with the iPhone, I assume you'll be doing two-way messaging, same thing that you can already do with InReach for several years now, and same thing with the Zolio. Speaking of Zolio, we have some new device updates, firmware updates to support the new weather. This came out in November. Uh, Zolio was using Dark Sky, the same as InReach for their weather provider. And Dark Sky, if you haven't uh, noticed on the latest uh, iOS version, if you have an iPhone, uh, the weather app is now using basically Dark Sky. And if you are, were a user of Dark Sky, you'll see that the animations are now baked into the iPhone. With that, the Dark Sky API is going away for a number of people, or unless you uh, can pay a really big <laughs> sum of money, money, I assume, to Apple, they'll still be continuing using it. So uh, Zolio decided to switch weather providers, and uh, they did a fairly seamless switch. Of course, it did uh, require a, a firmware update on the device. Uh, they switched over to Aris Weather, and uh, that's a name when you start digging down into them. Uh, they've been providing weather services in the States mostly for a number of years. Uh, weather Nation, if you have a Roku device, uh, they have a channel there, and they have a few other uh, services there. So uh, one of the things that we've been noticing now with uh, these weather providers is that with all the modeling and the community uh, weather stations, all the models now, things are getting fairly good with the weather prediction. So I've been using it last little while, uh, last couple of weeks. It just got released at the beginning of November. It's been working fairly well. Uh, be interesting to see once we get into winter, what type of weather we could be able to see. Uh, as of right now, InReach still uses dark sky. So we'll see if they continue to use that or switch over to something else. Speaking of Garmin, they also released... Uh, a new InReach Mini 2 device, a little refresh, and a brand new InReach Messenger. And the InReach Messenger is a direct response to the Zolio. And uh, with in terms of its uh, functions and messaging flexibility, I've started to do some compare videos that you can find on the website or on the YouTube channel. Basically, Garmin has... Trying, trying very hard, trying very hard to replicate the features that Zolio came out with almost three years ago. Uh, essentially, it focuses on messaging, right? You're using your smartphone and your app, and it's just another messaging app you put on your phone. Zolio has made it really flexible that you can incorporate your chats, right? The biggest issue with these devices is that once you start to initiate a chat, you always have to go through the device and through the satellites. Zolio you're able to do this over Wi-Fi, cellular, or satellite as a last resort. It goes from cheapest to most expensive. And with the Garmin Messenger, that is supposed to replicate that. I found that the messaging routing between Wi-Fi, cellular is wonky at the best. Satellite seems to be good. Uh, you're still stuck with 160 characters as opposed to Zolio where you can send... Uh, 160 for SMS, over 230 for if you're sending to an email address, and over a thousand characters if you're doing like an app to app, right? And this is what these apps will do now, right? If you want to chat with people, right? You, for people who don't have these devices, you're encouraged to download the app on your phone and message that way. Works very well with Zolio because you're able to embed the location share plus, which is if you wanted to track your trip and you wanted your specific contact to see where you're at every 10 minutes, 
uh, they'll be able to use the app and, and look at it that way. Don't quite see that on the InReach Messenger and messaging app. Um, you know, you need a couple apps from Garmin to get the full experience here. But uh, one of the biggest features here that will be very hard for Zolio to match unless they release a version 2 is the battery life. The battery life on this little InReach Messenger was uh, promoted to be up to 28 days, and I am honestly uh, pretty much up to there. I've had it running uh, in the last week of October, and uh, it's, it's still going. I think it's down to its last 8%, and I've been leaving it outside here on the deck, right? So it's been having a lot of rain, and of course we're in Nova Scotia, Canada, getting into fall weather. The nights are starting to get kind of cold, so we're giving the battery a little workout. So yeah, the the battery life you're you're on it uh, a good charge for you know m almost a month if you're not really using it. Uh, Zolio will only last you know four days. Of course, I have an older model now, but hopefully they'll increase the battery life on that one. And uh, that's about it in terms of the satellite uh, communications. I think it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be really complicated now for consumers. To know what is the best bang for the book and what's the most usable so of course you can always check out the website and i'll be continuing my series of compares and see which ones is better for you all right it's getting time to that time of the year we're choice of words here we're at the end of the calendar year which means that we're going to see some Black Friday sales, which we'll talk about maybe a little bit later, but also meaning what is new in the Garmin world uh, as uh, we are trying to continue our outdoor recreation. And of course, Garmin is ever expanding into different areas. One of the things that just came out uh, yesterday, Garmin is releasing the Tax Neo Bike Plus, which is a, a sm indoor smart bike. And this one's supposed to simulate gradients and road feel and virtual shifting and basically going up against uh, the Peloton, which is kind of ironic because Peloton has been going through a very rough shape uh, post-pandemic here. Uh, there's a whole bunch of uh, features here, which is mimicking uh, kind of how you're shifting through the bike, different services, uh, the gradient motion, uh, be able to, uh, you know, ride just like you're outside but you it's an indoor stationary bike has a integrated display usb chargers so that you know it's pretty much you can plug in your garmin edge if you have the cycling computer there and you'll be able to continue workout over the winter as expected uh you will have some uh additional content here uh you'll have some videos and you'll have some uh, ride with the pros uh, you'll have some, uh, you can upload GPS data with the map so that you can uh, do a little bit more stuff here, ride against other people, use Garmin Connect and all this other fun stuff. It's going to be available in the new year in January at, at the uh, very uh, unaffordable price of $3,999. This is a ridiculous amount of money. Peloton is what, $1,500, even $2,000 on some of those. So uh, again, uh, we'll see in uh, the cycling um, area, just like we've done, they've done right now, they're going for a luxury market. So I don't know if they're going to do very good with this one here. This one seems to be very <laughs> expensive. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll see how that works. 
Uh, also, uh, this week, uh, Garmin announced the Bounce. This is the first LTE-connected kids smartwatch. So for those who probably don't want to give their kids uh, an Apple Watch, uh, you can get the uh, Garmin here. So it, of course, it has the built-in GPS, has the LTE connectivity, so the kids can be uh, tracked by their parents using the Garmin Junior app on their smartphones. And uh, in terms of location tracking, they can communicate through the kids with the little sex, uh, text, I should say, and voice messages. Uh, you also have um, some little uh, security features on here for the kids. They can respond with emojis and they can also uh, track activities, chores, and more. Uh, there'll be interactive adventures, quizzes, and games on it. There's a lot of gamification that's on this. The watch itself looks like a Fitbit to be honest with you. So it'll be interesting to see uh, the uh, UI and how the apps will work. Of course, it will go to Connect IQ. It's going to come in a couple colors, green burst, black camo, or lilac floral. Uh, essentially, is uh, it's a nice lime green, and it has a kind of a light purple color, if you want uh, my interpretation of the colors. Uh, basically, they'll uh, come up at 150 so $149.99. Uh, this is actually uh, not a bad price. Uh, batteries will last up to two days, uh, which is not bad. So it looks like a, a kind of interesting little model here. I'd be interested to see for the connectivity uh, if it's uh, good in uh, Canada. Uh, actually, if you were to click on the Garmin LTE bounce coverage map, we should be able to see Canada in U.S., uh, and then you also have uh, all the other countries in Europe. You have Austria, Denmark, France, Germany, Netherlands, Norway, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, and and I think Australia. So I think for the most part, I think you'll be able to uh, use this for your kids. Of course, you're going to have to deep dive here to see if this is something that you want, Garmin, to start tracking your kid's location, or you want to trust Apple Watch, which is I think is kind of... Kind of decision a lot of parents will make. I know for us, we've been considering giving the little one uh, the Apple Watch. I'm actually currently wearing an Apple Watch for the last two years. Uh, seems to be doing what I wanted to do here. So trying to getting a little bit more bang for the buck here as compared to uh, some of the other more expensive Garmin models lately. I haven't been doing as much running. That's why I haven't uh, been doing some of that. So I've been going elsewhere. All right, so also new Garmin's adding a new 8.8 inch wake tower speakers for their Fusion. All right, so this is, uh, they're coming up with a whole bunch of sound systems. Uh, they have the wake tower marine speakers. They also have uh, a compatible set of speakers for uh, the off-roading so that you can uh, have some tunes while you're on the boat or on your side-by-side. Uh, these things are not cheap. The The main sound system and the amp, it will cost you around $1,500. And then you can, you know, uh, do your mix and match. It is it is uh, looking interesting, especially for the, um, the sound system. Uh, that looks kind of cool, what you can do with it, uh, with the compatible. Of course, you kind of are locked into the Garmin ecosystem. Uh, so that will be something to look at, closer look at it there. Uh, when you're uh, building building out your boat rig or your side-by-side -side rig. 
And the last thing that uh, Garmin announced uh, recently is the second generation Mark collection. These are these luxury watches that are, you know, kind of gorgeous. You know, they're, they're, I'm not going to lie. They look really nice. Uh, they are ridiculously expensive. I'm not even going to attempt to tell you the price, but you'll have a whole bunch of different feels. You have the Mark Athlete, the Mark Adventurer, the Mark Golfer, the Mark Captain, the Mark Aviator. And basically, uh, these watches will range from 2000 to 2500 And I think I've seen uh, one that was quite a bit more expensive on the Garmin website here. So uh, that is it. Of course, if we follow the trends, of course, we, uh, we also noticed that previously mentioned, they released a new, two new versions of the InReach, the Mini 2, InReach Messenger. Uh, that is pretty much what they've kind of done in the last little while. They've kind of are pushing the Venu Square 2, which is uh, another uh, smartwatch for the running, kind of goes up against uh, the Apple Watch. And they've been, uh, let's see what else they've been doing. They've been uh, releasing the new Garmin Enduro. This is for your ultra performance type of person here. And let's see, the Tread Audio System. Also, that we talked about the speakers. So you've been seeing Garmin has been releasing a bunch of products across a bunch of areas. Didn't even get into the golf or the aviation stuff. But it's very interesting what Garmin is coming out with for this season. Which also means that they're going to be coming out with a, a lot of sales on the older models. So if you've been holding off on some Garmin stuff. If you want to dive in or upgrade your model, I would say right now, take a look on either on Amazon or on the Garmin website. You'll be able to see some sales. And the rule of thumb is, if you're seeing a ridiculous price drop, like I'm talking about $230 on the Vivo Active 4 or 4S, meaning that there is probably going to be a brand new Vivo Active coming out, most likely in January. So if you are the type of person that needs the latest tech, wait <laughs> if you want a new Vivo Active. However, if you are have, eyeing the Vivo Active 4, and it is a very good watch too. I think the missus, the missus actually has it right now. Uh, good watch. So if you want to get your hands on that, this is the time to do that. Same thing on the Venu 2 and 2S. Big price drop on that. Uh, also on the Venu Square, the original one, $150. Of course, the Venu 2 just came out, so I'd take an eye on that. The 4Runner is 735 XT. You have a big drop price drop on that. Uh, moderate price drop on the InReach Mini 2. Mini 2 just came out, so uh, they're making uh, room for that for the InReach Messenger. Uh, the Edge 1030 Plus, big price drop on that. And what else we got here? Uh, and we got a moderate drop on the GPS map 66i. That's the embedded inReach. You got a $130 drop on that. So if you're looking for a couple units holding off, this is the time. But again, remember, if there is a big price drop, bigger than you expect, it means that you're going to get a new version coming out in the next two months, almost guaranteed. All right, next up is camping season. Of course, we didn't uh, take too, too much part of camping this year. We did a lot of stuff around the house. 
working on landscaping and uh, enjoying the side-by-side and doing some trail riding that way. But it's been a very good camping season so far. Nova Scotia numbers came out. They are indicating about 1.5 million people visited the parks uh, this year. Of course, parks closed on uh, Canadian Thanksgiving. So uh, that's why the season ended a little bit earlier. Although quite a few people would like the, to see things extended and go back the way it was before. And this is pre-COVID, pre, pre, even pre that, where you had uh, a couple year-round parks. But, uh, you know, fairly good year. Uh, of course, it pales to if we go over to neighboring Maine. Uh, they had about 3.3 million visitors in 2021. So, uh, but it, there's no denying that you see a lot of new people coming out doing camping. You either have the people from urban areas that are trying to get out, disconnect. You have millennials. You have brand new people who want to try RVing. Uh, you know, they're leveraging uh you know, whatever advantage they have. You see a big uptick in overlanding. I can't tell you the number of uh, vehicles I saw with rooftop tents this year and other types of expedition type setups. So you're definitely going to see that. Although there's not too, too many spots you want to do the overlanding. And the whole point of doing the overlanding is, of course, to access very remote areas off-grid and do like basically free camping. So there are a few spots, not to say they, they don't exist. In fact, you know, if you go into the Mersey Bowwater, which is a big wilderness area here just outside of Halifax, uh, you go up there on Labor Day. I have never seen, I've never went up during that day, uh, that weekend, and man, there was a lot of campers and RVs and tents and what have you there. So, you know, a lot of people are enjoying themselves. Of course, there's also a lot of new uh, trends now that helps make things maybe a little bit more comfortable obviously we we are into one of them which is the canvas and retro tents so this is uh, more of a rustic style with the big tents these are <laughs> not the easy quick setup tents i i use the um, kodiak canvas cabin tent which is a fantastic tent if you're a small family that's definitely the one to take right there but it is a monster <laughs> to set up for sure. And the last thing you want to do is set that up in the rain too. But it it, it does offer a, a very nice type of uh, experience as compared to, you know, crawling out on your hands and knees out of a, a, a tent. Other big thing too is uh, a large number of new products for canopies and shelters came out. And uh, there's a lot of interesting uh, structures now that you can quickly set up and to have either a structure or shelter above your picnic table or if you're doing the overlanding you'll have uh, some shelter around your vehicle or truck camping or anything else if you're having activities and stuff so there's an awful awful lot of options out there third thing is portable power stations right you see the little increase of uh, bringing little power boxes we do have uh, we have a gold zero yeti was it 200 200x uh, not my favorite power box but it will keep things charged up you know if your cell phones your tablets switches you know anything to keep uh, the kids happy during the car ride to the outdoor of course for us it always takes a couple hours to get to our location so that's always good to have and uh, this comes with a whole bunch of varieties now that you can find pretty much around the you know, three four hundred dollar mark, you can get yourself a pretty good two hundred or three hundred amp hour type battery, which is uh, fairly good. 
Of course, it's not going to power a blender or anything like that. But uh, camp showers, right? You'll start to see now these little uh, kind of it goes in with the canopies, but you also have these quick little, uh, you know, porta potty kind of type structures that you can quickly uh, bring up, and then you can have all these nice uh, portable showers set up here. With you have either you have your bladder or uh you know goes by uh, gravity you have all sorts of different little setups that you can uh you know if you're really are roughing it doing outlanding at least you can uh get cleaned up here pretty good there and there's a lots of new collapsible products and um uh, and things like that so that's pretty pretty cool and of course the last thing is a big advancement in fancy cookware right you can enjoy a wonderful meal the old-fashioned way but you know nowadays you can see people hauling out uh, a wood-fired uh, pizza oven <laughs> you'll see you'll see pressure cookers you'll see all sorts of crazy stuff crazy uh, apparatuses uh, I personally love just cooking on on coals on uh, on a campfire but uh, it's been uh, it's very interesting when you see people uh, set up uh, the cookware and of course they make some delicious meals when you're at it next thing and, and the last thing is being comfortable camping chairs i think uh gone are the days where you can get your cheap 15 dollar camping chair from walmart now you get all sorts of chairs you get these little mini compact chairs that uh you know you'll, you'll put together and will hold an adult also great for kids you also have the very nice comfy adult sized chairs you got rocking chairs you got uh, padded chairs quilted chairs uh, all sorts of chairs of course all sorts of prices but at least you have some of these trends all right the last topic is how our preparedness plan went during this very busy hurricane season in the atlantic we were hit with Hurricane Fiona, hit us at a Category 2 in Nova Scotia. And of course, uh, a little while afterwards, you saw Hurricane Ian down in Florida. So both situations here, not to get uh, into, into the weeds, but you know we're basically living in an area that uh, we will probably going to enter once or twice a year an extended period of not having any power. And we do have our preparedness plan, and like anything else, Having the plan makes things less stressful and you're able to be a little bit more comfortable. So for us, we definitely had our 72-hour plan set up. I think that cannot be overstated how essential to have that. And, you know, if we keep it to, to, the, to the situation of having an extended power outage, your house is fine, you're not going to get flooded, you, you don't have to relocate or evacuate, you're just home and you're stuck for a couple days. So how are you going to manage your food? What are you going to eat? How are you going to do the dishes? How are you going to go to the bathroom? And how are you going to sleep? Right? Those are essential, the big things. And having that for 72 hours is pretty good, right? The other thing is to have the go bag. Now, I've talked about this a few times, but essentially we have a backpack in our main entry of the house that we've built a reflex to go get anytime that uh, we need uh, the anything from the medicine cabinet so thermometer a gel uh, pill any over-the-counter drugs band-aid anything like that 
we go to the go bag and that's our first aid kit, right? Everything's there, easily maintainable. Also, we have the lights out kit, right? Tea lights, lighters, headlamps, flashlights. Anytime the power goes out or the lights are out, we know where the bag is and we know where all the lights are. Having a radio is important too. We had cellular tower problems. For the first day, my cell phone wasn't working at all. Couldn't receive any texts, couldn't make any calls, couldn't check Twitter, didn't know what the hell was going on. And the next day, my wife's cell phone wasn't working either, right? We had different providers. So having a, a functioning FM radio is very useful. Spare batteries, of course, and all that. And the third biggest thing that helped us a lot is the generator hookup. When we built the house two years ago, we paid a little bit more money to have a generator hookup. And that is a plug on the outside of the house. And then we would just run our generator to that. And then we have this uh, switchover box. And then we're able to, to restore power to uh, the main elements of the house. You know, water, water heater, fridge, right? The bare bones, right? And even our heat pump. If we were in winter, we needed a heat pump to be, to be working. So that that got uh, got some use. Uh, I would say that that little investment of uh, let's say it was a two thousand dollar investment to get the wiring and get yourself a generator is worthwhile. When I do mention about the generator, that is probably the biggest thing you're gonna have to spend to do your research because not only do you have to wire your box you have to decide the size of your generator. And that can be quite a bit of a challenge. But let me go back and start talking about power generators. That was probably the biggest, like I said earlier, probably the biggest piece that made lives for us in the house more comfortable during this extended power outage. But it is surprisingly how many people will just go to the Canadian Tire or Home Depot and grab whatever generator they have on hand, usually they're in short supply, and grab it and then realize that it doesn't do the job or they put themselves into danger, right? So the the type of generator that we see or that's easily accessible is the uh, exposed frame generators, right? You know, you see the motor, you see a gas tank on the top and you see some tubing around it. And usually it has wheels or no wheels. Uh, that is pretty much the, the typical generator that we see. You also see the big home backup power generators, which is tens of thousands of dollars. But for us, we will be probably grabbing something around the $500 to $1,000 range. And one of the biggest things that I discovered when we we're going through all this, or I've seen from other situations, when you do pull something off from the shelf... The, the probability of you grabbing a cheap one or uh, let's say, okay, I'm going to buy the $500 one or the $400 one, then you realize at home that, hey, one, doesn't have all the electrical outlets, the big prong plugs that you go and hook up. Let's say you have an outdoor connection that feeds into your power grid or two, uh, doesn't have enough power to just power the basics in your house. So you end up with something that uh, moderately better than that being on the campground. So what we did was we figured we're going to invest about $2,000 into this. When we got the house built, like I said earlier, 
we wired the house for a generator so we have a cutover panel we, we didn't opt for this interlock that goes on your meter uh, that requires way more alignment with the power company electricians for that it was just simpler to just get uh, the box we have a secondary box here in the basement and then when the power goes off i go downstairs i turn off the main breaker that feeds uh, from the pole and then i do a switch over and where the power now can flow through the generator and throw th flow through uh, the generator box and that will generate that will power essentially uh, the utility room down here in the basement uh, the water pump water heater heat pump and then it will also basically power the kitchen right the kitchen in terms of the fridge lights uh, bathroom and a couple outlets not everything right the, the whole house is not powered up but they're just the bare essentials are, are on right the oven is not hooked up the fridge is on but it's not you know some of the other appliances are not working there you know the all the plugs in the kitchen are not hooked up because people tend to overload those right when you're working on the generator so anyway so we have the box and it worth to take time to count through what is taking power and see what kind of power draw that you're getting uh usually a 3500 watt generator that you'll find you know the, the the cheaper model there uh is bare bones and even that wouldn't necessarily power uh all that you need there uh and and the biggest thing is it's not only the the wattage for uh, the constant draw but it's also the startup wattage so you can imagine something like a water pump or a sub pump starting up that takes a lot of wattage and uh, you need to have that number covered and for a lot of people uh, you know maybe a 3000 or 3500 watt generator not quite good enough or is bare bones you wouldn't have anything else more than that right? you couldn't run water actually i know you couldn't run a sub pump off that it wouldn't be enough for that but you can run your fridge or anything that's 120 because you would have your 120 plugs for that so that's why you start looking at if you wanted to at least have a house with the bare bones right water pump water heater fridge heat pump all right a few lights and that's about it right you're all living in the room then you're probably going to be looking at something closer to a 5500 watt generator with a starting amps starting watts of like 7000 or something like that so this is the one that we opted for and uh, at the end of the day the regular normal running watts right if you count all the lights that are, that are turned on if you have leds six watts each you look at these super energy efficient uh, fridges now and heat pumps they barely draw any power and then you then you got to add in all your power adapters whatever you have plugged in one big benefit when we ran the generator is that it powered the utility room and this is where we have the wi-fi and the router the internet router and uh, the hub and all that stuff so when the generator was on internet was working and that was one of the even though the cell phone wasn't working we had the radio at least when the generator was going you know, you can communicate, you can upload your pictures, Wi-Fi was working, kids were able to get back on their tablets to do Roblox or whatever it is they're doing, uh, you know, or download whatever movies they needed to download, and then you're able to kind of survive that way <clears throat> with it. And at the same time, 
you have your appliances running, your fridge. You know, we have a smaller deep freeze, so at least you can manage your, your, your food. You can manage your water, so now you have running water. You can actually use the, the toilet, right? You can, don't have to, you know, you don't have to hold on to the flushes there, right? You can, you know, you can uh, use that. And uh, so it just made things a little bit more comfortable. If we're out in the winter, obviously, then we would use the heat pump to try to keep the house at a kind of a constant temperature. Baseboards weren't wired in, so... That to me was the biggest one. And one of the things that we found was that uh, when we were running it about six hours a day, so again, two hours first thing in the morning, one hour for uh, lunch, one hour for uh, supper, and then maybe two hours before bed kind of deal. And that type of variation there. And we found that that burned about 10 liters of gas. So these tanks on these generators are about 20 liters or um, yeah I think it was 20 liters uh, that will basically you're able to run for two days so the question is how much spare fuel that you needed so in our case we would had uh, enough fuel uh, we had enough fuel we have an extra can of fuel and then we were then going going to use our gas tanks from our cars or, or my truck to siphon gas out of that and we've and replenish our fuel cans that way if things got, kind of got gnarly. reason why I say that is because when the cell phones weren't working, one of the biggest questions is, where could you go and get gas? The nearest gas stations here weren't operational. If there were, it was only the convenience station that was on. So you could only get a bag of chips, and it was only cash only because the debit machines weren't working. So then you had to deal with cash. So, you know, it was uh, a little bit of logistics, right? So if you're, you know, if you have your plan, you have your 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 generator, your your off grid, your power consumption, right? If you're powering a house, obviously, if you're in an apartment or condo, battery box, that kind of stuff will work, right? You got to decide what you want. Uh, you have your food plan. And you're able to, you know, the most important thing when you think about it is food, water, and hygiene, right? How are you going to manage those three things? And uh, for that $2,000 of investment to, to basically get uh, your house properly wired and have a, a proper generator working, uh, it's well worth the price. Then you heard all these horror stories of people misusing a generator, Right, you're you're operating the generator in the garage, right? Which is a no-no, right? Because it's a gas engine, like anything else. Or you're running it, and the exhaust is just blowing stuff into the house, right? You're not far enough away from the doors or windows. Or in this case, you're running the generator in the rain, which is you think about it, not the best thing, right? Not only you have a an engine running, but you have a machine that's generating some very high voltage and wattage. Last thing you want is to electrocute yourself, right? So then you think about, well, geez, uh, when to use it, right? Because you can't really use it in the rain. Or if you are going to use it, do you have it covered, right? And then you start to ask about, well, do I have a, a shelter or can I just have it? Uh, do, I, do I just have a little tarp? Or a good idea, if you have a truck, you fold down the tailgate and you angle the truck so that you're, it's kind of, you know, act as a little cover that you can put the generator underneath which is not a bad idea or you could you know 
uh, haul it out in the open the garage door and haul it out that way you know if you have one of those garages where the door kind of hangs out some type of awning so there's you know underneath the deck there's all sorts of you know things that you need to look at uh, because these are not plug and play things right this these are not <laughs> these are this is a big piece of equipment that can you know make things really comfortable for you or that can create a lot of problems but uh, definitely it is a thing I'm going to expand this on the website as I'm going to take some time to uh, to write down all my notes here but but overall I think our plan worked very well I think we can always improve on a few things but 72 hour plan our generator power fuel consumption thing and communications radio cell phones right all those tools and, and think about you know what happens if the cell phones don't work how are you going to get your information and, and, and all that stuff so anyway great topic here i'd love to hear your thoughts on this and uh, yeah hopefully hopefully we won't have to use it that often but you know we don't the winter is going to be uh probably going to be a doozy and we're probably going to have another situation in february the way things are going And that's it for this episode of uh, the Avoiding Chores podcast. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the topics mentioned today. You can check things out on the website, avoidingchores.com. Uh, you'll also see a few things on Facebook on the Avoiding Chores page there. I also, of course, uploading videos and shorts now on YouTube. So you can uh, definitely, if you want to see what's going on, definitely the website and the YouTube channel is where you're going to get most of your information here. There's also the newsletter, which is published about as often as the podcast episodes, uh, but also it's a good recap uh, by theme here. So uh, go check that out. You can actually uh, view that off of my Twitter handle. So if you just go to my Twitter profile, you'll see the link for the newsletter when you go to my profile otherwise uh, you should be able to find it somewhere on the website or definitely on the youtube page here so thanks a lot for listening everybody and we'll talk to you guys next time